this Chris and Yellow, the host and the holding back. As you know, at phase four of the MCU, right around the corner, uh, there's a lot of speculation on who the up- upcoming villains will be and who will portray those villains. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. So today we got Mass helping us with the uh, upcoming villains in the MCU. So Mass, you can introduce yourself. Hey guys, I'm Mass. Pleasure to be here. No problem, man. So, as you know, there's been a lot of speculation on who will be cast as the upcoming villains in the MCU. So, um, what type of characters or what characters can we see uh, in the upcoming films? Well, one of the big ones everyone's expecting now that uh, like Disney has the rights to all the Fox stuff, like Doctor Doom, he's the big one. One of the things we've been lacking for, like in this universe now, is the big villains that uh, Fox and like Sony have been holding back from uh, Disney. Yeah, and you know, ever since Disney acquired the rights of Fox, uh, they have a lot more characters to play with and mm. uh, major villains as well. You know, you have a lot of Spider-Man villains now you could use. You have a lot of X-Men villains, and you have a lot of Fantastic Four villains you could use as well. So Doctor Doom, obviously, being the uh, staple that he is you know, one of the biggest villains in Marvel history, especially in the comics. You know, um, who do you have cast in that role? So for Doctor Doom, knowing his like backstory, personally, my only issue with casting him, I feel like he's more of a voice acting cast than an actual casting, only because I feel like so much of it is like in the power of his voice. He's very much a Darth Vader. Which is, which is like my only issue because I would have like my honorable mention for this is Danny Glover because I feel like he has such a powerful voice that he would have been able to pull it off. But my actual casting form is Dan Stevens, who you may have recognized from shows like Legion and he was the voice of Beast in Beauty and the Beast. And he has like a very powerful voice and he looks the part a little bit. So he's the guy I thought would be good for the job. Well, yeah. I definitely understand what you mean by powerful voice. So if you mm. saw Eurovision, <laughs> on yeah. Netflix, you could uh, see him as the main bad. <laughs> uh, he's one of the singers, one of the contestants on the Eurovision movie with Will Ferrell. You could check that out. Um, yeah, he has a fantastic voice. Thing is, I feel is that is, is that he's not like that proven. And that's the problem. We need mm-hmm. someone that has already established himself. Someone that has that body type and, you know, that that vicious looking face that comes with playing uh, Dr. Doom. Mm, for sure. And for me, I have Nikolai Coaster Waldo, the, uh, the guy from Game of Thrones. Uh, the reason why I chose this guy is, yeah, he's 48 years old. So he's in his 40s, which I, I, what I would think is a perfect age for um, Dr. Doom to be in his 40s. Especially that you have a lot of like um, guys in their fifties portraying heroes. Why can't we have guys in their forties or fifties playing villains? Um, you know, on the show, he's an evil guy of royal blood. You know, Doctor Doom doesn't come from royal blood exactly, but you know, he establishes himself. He goes to Latveria, and you know, he overthrows the uh, the king there and declares himself king and and is the new ruler of that nation. You know, so um, I think he could pull it off. You know, he's a very tech savvy guy. He's a sorcerer. He's very smart. And that's mm. what makes him so superior. The problem is, is that we've never seen an incarnation of him in past films where it shows his sorcery or it shows that 
he's like a fantastic ruler, you know, and he could be vicious at times. We always see that tech savvy businessman, and that is not the portrayal, the portrayal, sorry, that we need to see uh, for Doctor Doom. Yeah, no, for sure, you make a good point. One of the things I feel or that I want from the MCU is they've been lately going very comic accurate, and I feel like some of the like, the lacks that Fox has had is they don't always go comic accurate. And it's gone well for them in some cases. Like, Hugh Jackman's a great Wolverine. But, like, it would have been so much cooler to see him in the full costume and, like, the go the, like go all the way, you know? So, like, I'm hoping Dr. Doom is, like, he's not as powerful as Thanos for sure, but he's, like, he's an Omega-level villain where he can be up there with, like, fighting the Avengers and the Fantastic Four at the exact same time and he can handle it. Like, he's that powerful. So I'd like to see what they do with that. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was one of the holders of the Infinity Gauntlet at one point, too. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Like, he's up there. Like, he's for sure, like, he's not to be taken lightly. No, at all, to be honest. Mm. You know, like, um, you know, we've seen him go up against the Avengers. We've seen him go up against Spider-Man in comics. You know, Spider-Man mm. has teamed up with the Fantastic Four in a lot of issues. And we've seen uh, those five characters, you know, fight Doctor Doom. And he could easily take down any of them by himself, you know. Uh you know, I, I just feel that, you know, in upcoming films, they need to go comic book accurate. You know, we've had too many adaptations of people uh, like directors and like, you know, businesses like Sony, for example, and Fox that have tried to spin their own take on it. And I feel that, yeah, nostalgia is there. People love those movies, but it's not what we really expected going into the movie theater during that time now we're in a day and age where a lot of stuff for comic book accurate you know uh dc marvel you know going head to head as usual but this time with movies you know um marvel already established themselves as you know the the pillar that they are right now and i feel that they need to start building towards that even more going into this new uh day and age with phase four which is basically like a mini uh reset or reboot i would say of the um the marvel uh, cinematic universe because a lot of your main core will not be back from the three previous phase uh phases and now you're starting to establish a new um marvel cinematic universe you know with new characters you know and obviously you're taking some secondary characters from the uh the past phases and establishing them as main guys you know especially with young avengers you know uh, which I would see happening in the future and these new big bads coming into the picture. Yeah, for sure. See, yeah, the only sad thing or like downside to it is now that we've hit like phase three with such an epic like climax to everything they've been building for the last like 10, 12 years, it definitely like it's going to have to slow down in their quote unquote, like you said, reboot. Because now they're trying to reestablish new characters and they're trying to like, like show what the world is after everything that's already happened. And I think Doctor Doom, while he might not show up anytime too soon, I feel like when he does show up, I want to see the green cloak. I want to see the metal, like the costume. I want it. I want the whole, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, and Fox has done him. I mean, I, I would say the first two Fantastic Four movies. You know, I, I would say his costume is pretty comic book accurate. Just his origin wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at least they got one part right, but the reboot of the oh. original Fantastic Four was horrendous. Yeah, disgusting. It was. I I never watched it because 
I knew it was going to be a flop just by looking at the trailer. And I thought that maybe Sony was trying to make their own universe with the amazing Spider-Man movies and that new Fantastic Four movie. I felt like they were very, um, you know, uh, similar because they were trying to go off grid and start doing their own thing. And, you know, I thought they were going to try to make their own uh, cinematic universe. But uh, thank God Disney stepped in and bought Fox because, my God, um, that would have been a disaster. <laughs> Yeah, I don't it know really what. Uh, yeah, I don't know what they were going for that. See, I didn't watch it right away either. And then when I finally did watch it, I think I stopped. Like, no, I think I actually did finish it, but it was like it was hard to watch. <laughs> it's so sad. So many good actresses and actors in that movie. Yeah, and it just was horrible. And the directors was now it, and ever since the Snyder cut, you know, got uh, approved and it's going to be shown on HBO Max. A lot of directors, you know that were blamed for poorly adapted uh, movies, you know, are get are like all, they're all like seemingly coming out and being like, Oh, well I had a cut too, you know? And then the, the, you know, the corporation took over and they said, no, you can't do it. You got to do it our way. Or, you know, you're out of the, the picture. You're not going to be directing this movie. And do I believe all of them? No, I do believe like guys like David Iyer that has like freaking 30 minutes of like cut footage of Jared Leto's Joker, for example, I believe that, but I mean, this guy directing that past Fantastic Four movie, I don't think so. I think he's just trying to uh, jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, he might be. I feel like even with a lot of execs, like cutting, like cutting through your film and like making it their own vision, it's like, cause you look at that film and you're like, who saw that? And was like, yes, we can push this out and it's going to do well. Like, like it didn't make sense to me the same way. Like, like, look, even Suicide Squad, like say what you about the execs cutting through your film and, like, not saying Jared Leto's extra 40 minutes weren't good, but, like, would it really have changed anything? Because, like, I hear where he kind of wanted to go. And I'm like, okay, maybe. But even he's, like, thought back and he's like, you know what? Like, I, I should have used Joker as the main villain and I didn't. I don't know why I didn't. So, like, he, he, like, he admitted to it. Because, like, a lot of people, like, they like, this would be sick and they do it. And you're like, well, no. <laughs> yeah, I totally understand that. And uh, moving to our second villain. Yeah. Uh, this Spider-Man's biggest nemesis obviously and that is the green goblin indeed one of the big greats uh okay so for the green goblin so green goblin is he's very much you can compare him to tony stark if he was a bit more evil-minded and corrupted but he's like he's a businessman first and it's almost like he has a second personality like he kind of loses it sometimes so for my choice i was kind of going more for like visually, like who looks like the calm, collected businessman who could maybe lose it. So I chose Jason Isaacs, who a lot of you may know from his role as Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter saga. I think he plays a very like, like creepy, deceitful man who may also be like, like he has like an intelligent look about him. And I think he may have it in him, although he hasn't done too much lately. Yeah, and that's the problem with uh, cast. Norman Osborn, a Green Goblin, is that um, you need to find a guy that looks the part and acts the part. And I feel like Jason Isaacs is that, you know, he hasn't really done much. He's been a lot in TV roles and voice acting. So we haven't seen him, like, in a blockbuster movie in a while. He's made a couple of indie movies. Uh, does he look the part? He's fantastic. He He's, like, one of the biggest... Uh, you know, actors that portrayed villains in the early 2000s. You know, he was in The Patriots with Mel Gibson. He that was, was great. vicious in that movie. 
you know, he kills uh, Heath Ledger's um, character, which is Mel Gibson's son in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I think he also kills the younger son, too. Like, a guy who kills, like, little boys and stuff and, like, teenagers, you know, in front of your father and in front of the rest of the family. That's just, that's what you want as a villain. And that's what you want in a Norman Osborn, you know. He doesn't mind crossing the line. And, you know, even if he discovers Peter Parker's identity eventually, you know, He's going to go after his loved ones. He's going to go attack him, uh, someone like a Gwen Stacy, uh, MJ, a uh, Aunt May, you know. No, He's for gonna sure. Pass that line. No, I, I feel like he definitely I, has it in him. I just don't know if... You're right. He hasn't been in a lot of things lately, for sure. Yeah, and you need someone that's, you know, coming off big projects and that, you know... Um, that has that that evil grin, you know, that Norman Osborn has. We're not talking about a Joker grin, you know. We're talking about, like, a Norman Osborn, like, smart-ass, but, like, creepy and, like, you know, mysterious grin. And that on Tom Cruise as my Green Goblin. You know, after The Edge of Tomorrow 2 and the, in the, in the last two uh, Mission Impossible movies that he's filming in the next, like, three, four years, you know, uh... I think Norman Osborn should be in his 50s, you know, like, uh, you know, late 40s, early 50s. So Tom Cruise fits the bill for that. Um, you know, he he can act like an, an industrialist, you know. Uh, I think he has that. He's very good looking. He's stylish. He's persuasive. Um, and he's low-key crazy. And he has that sinister smile. I've seen that in a lot of movies before that, you know. He has that grin. Um, the problem with his acting abilities is that he hasn't really played a lot of villains. He played villains in Collateral uh, alongside uh, Jamie Foxx. He played a villain in Interview with the Vampire alongside Brad Pitt. And after that, it's hero after hero after hero. And I think he's been typecast in that role. And I think that um, since he was in consideration for Tony Stark originally until it went to Robert Downey Jr. because... Um, Tom Cruise wanted too much uh, control, creative control on that movie. So that, uh, you know, casting someone that's very similar to Tony Stark, but obviously in a villainous role, I think it's Tom Cruise. You know, he's very bizarre, especially with his Scientology. He could rock a suit. Obviously, we've seen multiple times, especially in the Mission Impossible movies. Uh, And yeah, and that's why I have him as playing the Green Goblin. Yeah, it's a, it's a good choice. I don't know what it is about Tom Cruise. It's not even the typecasting. There's something about him that, like, whether it's his face or not, I, I, I get the pick. It makes sense. But there's something about it that doesn't, like, sit well. I, I, I can't point it out. Whether it's his – I, I just don't know if I can see him fully playing it. Like, you make great points. But, like, I feel like on end of the day, Green Goblin's going to be a random – like, it's going to be a random choice that you're going to see and go, like, what? No way. Because I feel like it's going to be an actor who, like – Maybe ha- like we like both the actors we chose have been in similar roles or been in positions where they can show off like Norman Osborn, Green Goblin like type of a character. But I feel like I feel like Green Goblin's probably gonna be like he's gonna be like a Heath Ledger Joker. It's gonna be they're gonna cast someone who you're like, no way, really? Get out and he's gonna do it. You're gonna be like, Whoa. That's gonna be a surprise one. That's a big one. Like Green Goblin's gonna have to be a like like Doctor Doom's big, but like Green Goblin is like just as big as Spider Man. Like he's up there. Yeah, and, you know, you need to make sure, especially with these three guys, you know, you have Magneto, Mm -hmm. Dr. Doom, and Green Goblin. So, yes, we're going to be talking about Magneto next, obviously. 
you know, you need to make sure that you hit the point when casting these guys because these guys three big bads staples in upcoming movies yeah exactly and these guys are going to be in multiple films they're not going to be in just one film where you know the character the actors or the character is going to be uh, killed off at the end of the movie or halfway through the movie these guys are going to be showing their face in multiple movies you need to make sure that you have dedicated guys that are going to be willing to star in not just one but possibly three or four movies for sure, which is why it's exciting because, like, Thanos out of the picture, like, who else can come after this? And, like, I think, like, I think Thanos is definitely, like, an A-lister. And these guys are, like, B, A, Bs. Like, they're they're not as big and, like, menacing. But, like, Green Goblin is, like, Spider-Man's number one. Doctor Doom is, like, he's even, like, global threat. So, like, we're definitely, like, these are the next big guys to take, like, Thanos' spot. Yeah, they're not, like, you know, you know, like, the Thanos where, like, he's, like, you know, a guy sitting back and controlling from, like, uh, from, from the background, you know, uh, just, like, he's, like, the puppet master and, like, his his little, like, puppets are doing all the dirty work leading up to, like, a showdown. These guys are going to be, like, up and coming. They're going to be in your face. That's going to change the perspective of, like, what we're used to seeing as villains, you know, uh, in the mm. MCU. You're going to be seeing them a lot more often. Yeah, there's going to be times where I think the villain is going to win at the end of the movie and they're going to walk away scot-free and then it leaves the hero with a lot of problems to deal with. And that's what's going to lead to sequels. And eventually, you know, these villains are going to pop up again and show their faces. Which is why I think these villains are such like, it's exciting to have them like all in the same like playground now. It's the first time we've ever had them all in the same spot. And I feel like it leaves room for maybe even like, because Doctor Doom has fought Spider-Man and so has Green Goblin. Like, it'd be like in Green Goblin, it feels like it's more personal because like he's not, he's not just like a Doctor Doom where he's like a big massive threat. Whereas Green Goblin, like, his son is best friends with Peter, so like it just makes things all kinds of weird. Whereas like Doctor Doom is just gonna be like, he's gonna play like a Black Adam role like in the DC where like he sits back, he minds his own business. Like, I feel like the first time they bring him up, he'll be a villain, but then when he finally goes back to Latveria and he's like, he's chilling in his place doing whatever he wants, like, scotch-free. No one can touch him there. I feel like it's been an interesting role because, like, there's been times in comics where the Fantastic Four and X-Men have to go consult Doctor Doom about things. And, like, he's not always, like, doing bad things, you know? Like, sometimes he's just chilling and, like, he's ruling over Latveria. He's not bothering anyone. But then sometimes, like, he's planning in the background. So one day, like, he's ready to strike. Because, like, he's an interesting character. Yeah, and I I feel like maybe Doctor Doom might be portrayed as a... uh... You know, anti-hero. Uh, not an anti-hero. What, what's that word called when um you're like a hero and a bad guy at the same time? Well, anti-hero is yeah. You're. I I think that's what you're going for. Like like Deadpool's yeah, an anti-hero. Like he's doing the right thing. Like he's doing the bad things for the right reasons. Yeah, Doctor Doom. I think is that's what Doctor Doom's gonna start off as. Well, because he's he's supposed to be a complicated man. Like like similar to even Magneto. They don't like Green Goblin is kind of like a psycho. Like, there's no yeah. real reason, like, good reasons for what he's doing. Whereas Dr. Doom Magneto, they've, they've played both the hero, the anti-hero. They've gone full villain. Like, they, they bounce around in that, like, in those brackets. Because, like, like, Magneto does what he believes is right for the mutants. Dr. Doom does what he believes is right for, like, like justice and stuff. Like, he takes over Latveria because of the injustices that they were, that were done to his family in the past. Like, yeah. yeah they, they killed his, his mother and uh, his, well, his dad died mm-hmm. while escaping with his son you know and obviously dr doom was left alone and he went to go continue his studies in the states you know 
Yeah, like it's, but it's, but it's for justice. It's not like he's not a psycho. Whereas like Green Goblin is kind of similar to Joker. Whereas Green Goblin's a bit more controlled. He definitely has those like random splits where he just goes insane for like a long time. And I think Green Goblin shouldn't be, um, you know, un, un, like unveiled to uh, to Peter as Norman Osborn in the first movie. I think he should just strictly be Green Goblin, just like in the comics. On finds out that uh, he is Norman Osborn, and that's what creates the awkwardness. Not right away. I feel like they need to build towards that, and they shouldn't just like unravel big twist ending at the end he's like oh my god you know uh norman osborn is the green goblin it was kind of i would say it was really well done in sam raimi's first spider-man movie where there was a little a lot of teasing going around like oh i'm suspicious of you and so am i so and then back and forth like every time they they shared a scene together um and then towards the end they both discovered that you know he's uh, norman osborn is green goblin peter parker is spider-man I don't think they should copy paste that, but I think they should take that idea and extend it to multiple films. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point because I feel like maybe, and maybe it's just because of the Sam Raimi film, but like I feel Green Goblin is because he's such a bigger role in Spider Man's life than like the other characters. Like his beef is a lot more personal, and like because their kids are best, like his son's best friends with him, like it makes like it's a longer relationship, which even like even if they do it in one film. Like, I don't want that anymore. Like, I'd like it if maybe, like, maybe Spider-Man 3, like, Norman Osborn exists. And, like, Harry goes to school with him. And, like, Norman is just, like, like, he's interested in Peter. Like, you know, like, he thinks something's up and he's, like, whatever of him. And, like, he's slowly building his Green Goblin persona. And then maybe the fourth film, right? Like, he starts building a Sinister Six. You know what I mean? Like, like involve him in a film as just Norman before you pull out the Green Goblin stops. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, I, I'm totally in agreement with what you have to say. Um I think Marvel is really good at um, developing their characters slowly and just really taking their time. So, you know, uh, once we're introduced to those villains, we feel like we have some type of connection with them or they have enough um, meat to their character that, you know, we could feel a certain way towards them. No, for sure. I think that's a great point. Like, one thing I'm really... Like, I like how they're doing it now. Like, if you look at Mysterio and Spider-Man Far From Home, they stuck to the classics, more or less, like, a similar origin where it wasn't, like, the exact same origin, but, like, they played with, the, like, that concept of the origin. But Mysterio, I don't think, has enough, like you said, meat on him to develop him in the long term. Whereas I think Green Goblin, Doctor Doom, and Magneto are characters that they can introduce early on but continue to play with throughout, like, the phases that continue throughout Marvel, like, like they're their film universe the same way Thanos was kind of showed it like during Avengers when they used him a bit in Guardians of the Galaxy and they started to like use him more and more as they went on would you think that um Mysterio is truly dead because if you really think about it um in Sam Raimi movies you've always had a villain that ultimately passes away at the end of the film but this is the first time in Tom Holland's universe that we've seen a villain pass away so do you think this is the end for Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio or did he fake his death and pull one of the biggest tricks in the book I really hope he did Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in that film was phenomenal and I know that even though Spider-Man when he had the like the glasses on he was like is he really dead and she was like yes I feel like he already like had like one or two plot twists in the film I feel like he was definitely aware of like 
Like, he definitely thought, like, what happens if I lose this fight? I hope he had a, black, a backup plan because I want him on, like, the Sinister Six. If they make Sinister Six, I want Jake Gyllenhaal on that team for sure. You think maybe his cockiness got in the way and that's what led to his demise? Maybe a little bit. I just – I hope that he's not – they're not done with him. I feel like he did such a great job in that film. Like, and, like, you still have Michael Keaton who's still around playing the Vulture. Like, they can build, a, like, an A-list Sinister Six and it can be one of the craziest things, like, on film. Well, I hope that, you know, they make a Sinister Six movie soon because Michael yeah. Keaton's already 68 years old and well, it looks like he's more interested in the DC universe right now, coming back as Batman. Maybe, but the Vulture's an old guy, right? Like, Adrian Toomes is like a grandfather. So, like, they can wait if they really wanted to. All he has to do is, it's a lot of, like, it's a bit of CGI flying, but, like, he doesn't actually, like, do anything physically. He's not, like, Hugh Jackman where he has to get shredded for every film, you know? Yeah, I know, but, you know, you never know in life, you know, some guys, you know, he's up there in age, you know, you never know if you could pass, you could pass away at, like, 71 years old, seven years old, you never know. So, it's better to, you know, have a proper ending to that character rather than let's waiting for the actor to uh, pass away, unfortunately, and then you're going to have to find, you're going to be scrambling and to find another way to give that character closure. <laughs> yeah, no, that would suck for sure. I, I honestly, I see like Sinister Six is definitely going to happen in the next like 10 years. I feel that'll happen. It's like everyone wants it to happen. 10 years? I don't even know if Michael Keaton's going to be around in 10 years. No, I mean like in the next 10 years, I guarantee that film will exist. Like they already like, they've already teased Scorpion. They have a Vulture. They have a Mysterio. Whether or not they want to use Venom or not, I'm not sure what they're doing with that yet. Like all you need is a nice Doc Ock or a Green Goblin. And then like you more or less have a team where like the rumors are they're like, they're going to take Craven for the, the Spider-Man 3. So, you need Craven, and then you choose. Green Goblin, Doc Ock, you need the leader. And then it's done. Sinister Six right there. I would be more comfortable with a um, Doc Ock being the main bad guy because... Uh, and then, like, go- Green Goblin as a secondary because you're going to have them coming head-to-head with each other. So, something like a... I would, I would even, like, refer back to Starscream and Megatron dynamic. You have two guys fighting for power, but you know which one's a clear leader. But, you know, one of them always tries overlapping the other one all the time. Who is the Megatron in this metaphor? Doc Ock. What? I don't know that I agree with that, really. Yeah, and I would say the Green Goblin is the uh, guy trying to fight to become leader or, you know, trying to convince the other guys that he's the ideal leader and that um, Doc Ock isn't. Because Doc Ock is smart in a lot of ways. Uh, Green Goblin, you know, he's a little bit off edge. You know, you can't, can you really trust that guy? Doc but that o- I mean, makes him Doc stronger. Is- he's a bit of a lunatic. I feel like equally, like in a lot of comics and even like the video game, Doc Ock works for Norman. Like he's the smarter guy, like when it comes to the science. But Norman's the smarter, like, manipular, like manipulative person. So, like, I feel like they've always fought for power because, like, uh, like, Doc Ock always wants to plan everything he's better at it, but Norman always has his personal things get, get in the way. But at the end of the day, he's usually the stronger. I mean, obviously, it depends which Green Goblin. If you're talking about, like, the Green Goblin mutant from, like, the Ultimate Universe, then he's 100% better than Doc Ock. Otherwise, they're more, like, level-headed. If he's the, the guy in the suit, they're a bit more level, like, equal. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I've read a, a lot of comics in the, uh, from the 80s, yeah. Um, you know, comic book stores, whenever I go shopping for comics and stuff. Mm. And 
I won't, majority of the time I've, I've seen um, Doc Ock as the leader, you know, and Green Goblin was a secondary character. But because they don't want they don't want Green Goblin to take the lead because that's like what he's known for. Whereas Green Goblin plays better as the a big role in the Sinister Six, but he's also like Spider Man's like one of his number one enemies. Like he's also like plays the very like personal role. So I feel like Doc Ock is probably better suited for the leadership role in a film because then like when you take down the Sinister Six, you're taking down their leader. Whereas I want Norman to play the long game, so Norman should probably not be. That's the only reason I wouldn't put him there. Otherwise, like if you're just going like like a big film, whatever. Because they do clash heads all kinds. So you would want Norman Osborn to be set apart from the Sinister Six and like Doc Ock is like the leader of the Sinister Six and then Norman, you know, comes out of the ashes after the uh, Sinister Six is like defeated, for example. Yeah, because I feel I feel like Doc Ock plays like he's not he doesn't have like a major personal connection to Peter, whereas like Norman, like like he's a big you know, they play big li- like roles in each other's lives. Where I feel Doc Ock is probably better suited for like the big grand scheme of things. Where Doc Ock has like a lot of, uh, or like Green Goblin's very like more personal attacks. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I totally understand that. You know, uh, honestly, you bring a lot of good points. Even though like I'm not in agreement with everything uh, <laughs> that you've said, and that's totally normal because you know it's just the discussion or debate, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, actually, uh, it's an interesting point that you brought up that Norman should be set apart from the Sinister Six because I felt like maybe it takes too much away from his character because he should be established as the one and only, um, the go-to nemesis, something like a, a Joker and Batman dynamic and try to have that play out between Peter and Norman. I think that would be really fantastic to have. And, exactly. Uh, and I, I think they could do that also... With, with Magneto and Professor X as well. Yeah, for sure. If we're gonna if we're gonna transfer over, like even Magneto, as big as a threat as he plays, he's a long term character. Like I feel like Doc Ock is a great character, but I feel like he's not necessarily a long term character. He might make an appearance in one film that like quote unquote die or go away the same way Mysterio does, but he'll like probably reappear. Whereas I feel like Norman Osborn's a consistent in his life. Whether or not he's like taking a main part in the actual film, he always exists. He has the big company. He's best friends with his son. So like they always have that. They need to start looking at creating one-on-one rivalries that are going to last like throughout films. Hmm. Yeah, people might say Thanos and, and Iron Man were like, you know, that, you know, uh, back and forth presence where like every movie, you know, they were going head to head, but in reality, if you really think about it, not really. You know, he dreams about Thanos. Thanos knows about Tony. You know, uh, there's somewhat of a a foreshadowing happening. But then when they really face each other, yeah, you have that dynamic in two movies. But I just feel like there's something missing there. You know, where a Professor X versus Magneto or a Green Goblin versus Spider Man might have more. Uh, in-depth story analysis to develop both of those characters' relationship. Yeah, because it's more of a long-term fight than like a one-film fight, which is more interesting. Like having like Magneto always in the picture, but never always in the front and center. It doesn't always have to be. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Magneto, Mm. who would you see portraying that character? So, uh, so I, I... It was a hard person to look for because we don't necessarily know the origin they're going to play up. I chose my character if they were going to go for the comic origin where he's a German-Jewish kid 
And like all that stuff happens to him. So ironically, I chose him for I chose Nikolaj Kosterwaldo for my Magneto. I feel like Doctor Doom and Magneto share certain personality traits where they're both calm, collected guys with these outbursts, and like they don't fully understand. Like they're they're willing to cross certain lines that like normal people won't. Like people with like moral values won't. And I feel like he can play both those, but like he might have to be a bit older because Magneto should probably be a guy in his like like. 50s 60s like he should be an older man when it comes to like magneto time not like because his origin story could be like a younger child and they just skip over but i feel like he has like when you see him in game of thrones he's played he plays a villain but he also plays a bit of an anti-hero and like you slowly see him change and like that's the those are the ranges magneto hits like he's kind of a villain at the beginning but then once he like he tries to understand xavier's point of view and he kind of comes to like a bit of an anti-hero where like he'll help them out but he'll still be killing people but, like they try like like put him like like stop killing people whatever but then like sometimes he'll be like no you guys don't understand like you're doing the wrong things and he'll like he'll go full villain again like i feel like nicolas has that range well it looks like he's very popular in uh our both our lists yeah <laughs> even though he's played two separate uh, villains on our list and I, and I think um if we both have the mentality that he could play either or i think he will be cast eventually as magneto or dr doom um he is European, so he could play both if you want to go with comic book accuracy. For but sure. in my case, I'm going based on the rumors that were uh, announced uh, or that surfaced about a year ago where they want Magneto and Charles Xavier to be portrayed by African-Americans. And mm-hmm. this, is, this ties in with this week's um, allegations from Giancarlo Esposito, who's uh, best known as Gus, the drug kingpin from Breaking Bad. And he's also going to be the future upcoming villain in the Mandalorian season two. That was building mm-hmm. up towards, uh, towards that uh, in season one. So, uh, yeah, so I, I'm going to go based on that. So I think Giancarlo Esposito, yes, he's 62 years old. I think Magneto should be portrayed by an elderly uh, actor. Not too old, you know. Um, he could easily portray someone in his late fifties if he wants to. Magneto in the comics was portrayed as a elderly man with white hair and stuff. Yeah, they could easily do that with uh, Waldo. Um, you know, dye his hair white or something. Um, you know, they could easily do that. But maybe long term, your idea works. You know, because you have a, a younger guy, I would say. Uh, so he could be being multiple movies, you know. But if you want to go based on what they want to work on, what they're moving towards, yeah, for going away from the European Jewish kid that survived the Holocaust to a African American that maybe was developed his powers or was um in touch with his powers during the civil rights movement from 1954 to 1968, and that would fit his age because he he would have been born in the 1950s so um you know i think he fits that timeline and you know he has that if you've seen him in breaking bad and if if you haven't you should definitely check this out um you know as gus you see him you know sometimes he has remorse you know he acts all nice and stuff when he works uh for the uh the um the the chicken place there i forgot the name um, you know, you Los Polos, nice, uh... yeah, Los Polos, yeah. You know, you see him as a nice, you know, understanding businessman. You know, it's okay, whatever. But then once he leaves that company, and you see him as the 
drug kingpin and you see his origin story where you know he massacres a couple of guys at the uh at a pool party or um you know where his like one of his uh associates dies you know you see that chilling you know like heartless cold character that he could portray and magneto is like that sometimes you catch him on a good day sometimes you catch him on a bad day and when he's pissed he's really mad and he's going to do things that he may regret in the future, but it's motivation that was built up from something that happened beforehand. And I think Giancarlo Esposito would be perfect for that role. Honestly, we've already seen two like Magneto's that are pretty comic accurate in origin. So I, I'd actually be very excited and like fully okay with that. Cause Giancarlo Esposito has range. I think he's a great actor. I'd love it for them to spin it off to another origin story, like change it up a little bit because we've already seen like two iterations of like the same-ish character. And I think he'd, I really do think he'd also be great. He just like, he ha- like he has the, he has like the psychotic range where like he's very calm, collected, but then he also goes like off and like rages and like when he gets angry, like, like he controls a room when he's acting sometimes. Yeah. Like I've, and, I've seen uh, Breaking Bad. So like, yeah, great choice. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a perfect choice, to be honest. And I, yeah. I'm glad that you're actually, you're not in agreement with me, but, you know, you understand my point of view and you would, sure. would be okay if that actually happens, you know. Um, you know, if you really, you know, I, I think Marvel is really interested in him. And I think he's very interested, obviously, because he, he's voiced his opinion in starring in a Marvel movie. And if you really look at older guys, older villains, because I really, I highly doubt he's going to play a hero. Um you know, if he wants to play a villain, who can he really play that's up there in age? You're not going to play an old Doctor Doom. It doesn't make any sense. Mm. You're not going to play an old Green Goblin. It doesn't make any sense. Who's old in the comics? If you want to go co- comic book accuracy. And I think that you're, that's your guy. It's going to be Magneto. And you're going to have someone close to him in age playing Professor X. And you're going to see an X-Men core in their 20s and 30s. That's what I think is going to happen. Yes, um, I w- I- I'm thinking of making a video uh, about fan casting future superheroes in an upcoming episode. So if you want to check that out, too, I would be more than glad. Uh, and hopefully we can get you back on the podcast for that episode, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be honored to come back. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to say about uh, Giancarlo Esposito? Or- well, if he... Since he's already shown his interest, if they weren't going to cast him as Magneto, who do you think he can also play? Probably like long-term, probably villain. I agree with you. I don't see him playing a hero. Who else do you think he could probably play? I think Kang the Conqueror. Because a lot of CGI is going to go into that. And I think he has a very menacing and chilling voice that he could pull off. Hmm. and Or maybe Galactus. But that's pretty much it. I think those are the three that he could play because, you know, he is an an older guy. Um, mm. So if he doesn't really mind doing voice acting and just being CGI the whole time, it would be Galactus or um, uh, Kang the Conqueror. But I think this guy is really hands-on. I think he shouldn't be uh, thrown into CGI and just voice acting like Josh Brolin. Um I think they should really put this guy in a Magneto costume. We've seen a lot of Magneto costumes in the Fox movies. You know, he's worn, uh, 
you know, obviously the cape and the helmet. Some of the costumes were more flashy. I think the most comic book accurate one would be uh, Magneto's costume in uh, Apocalypse. That's a great one. Yeah, that was my favorite one because it was very flashy. It had the purple and the that 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 red shade, you know, had that uh, vibrant look to it. It was very flashy, and obviously because it was taking place in the eighties, so it makes sense. Um, but the thing is, is that if you look at other costume designs, his costume was more dark, more, uh, you know, I would say more black than anything, to be honest, or gray. Well, like very vibrant red and purple. Yeah, and that's what they have to go for. And I think Giancarlo would kill it in that costume. I really hope that they continue going uh, with comic book um, adaptations with their films, you know, make that transition, which is going to come out beautiful on the big screen. Mm. And not only that, but like, uh, I know Phase 4 is going to be a little bit of like a reset or a little bit of a reboot because you have a lot of like new characters coming into this and the tone of Marvel is going to change a little bit because you're introducing a lot of new characters with a lot of new abilities and a lot of new motives. But I hope that the comic book uh, accuracy stays the same moving forward into Phase 4. Hmm. Although I do think they can probably make a Kang the Conqueror that doesn't involve CGI. Like, I think they can paint that on. It's just a, what, blue face and, like, a big helmet? It's not that... Yeah, I think I do, They probably could. I think he wears purple and green, if I'm not mistaken. But, As the uh, outfit, but he's just colored blue. Yeah. Like, his face, I meant. Yeah, yeah like, they don't, they don't have to CGI him. Maybe yeah, for a I little know. bit, for, like, the effects. Like, Mysterio, but, like, Mysterio, like, he wears the costume. But when he puts the dome on, they, like, CGI the dome. Yeah, I mean, if you th- maybe if you like John Carlo because he's like in his 60s, maybe he feels very uncomfortable with the makeup. So he's like, uh, I, I don't, I'm not really interested in doing that. But if you get like a younger character like uh, Nikolaj, um, I think he would be more interested in that, especially that, uh, you know, he's really known for Game of Thrones and nothing more. John Carlo is more established. He has a lot of TV roles under his belt. Movies, not so much. He's played secondary characters here and there. So, I mean, they're both in the same position where they want to build a legacy for their careers and they want to be known for something. So, you know, it really depends on the char- on the actor's needs and what he's really willing to do and who he's willing to portray and what fits his persona as, you know, characters that they've already uh, portrayed in the past. And uh, I think it's really up to the actors for any of these choices, Tom Cruise, Nikolaj, Giancarlo, uh, Dan mm. Stevens. It really depends on if Marvel is interested in them, first of all. And second of all, are they willing to portray the characters that Marvel is offering them to portray? And yeah, that's where I want to conclude today's episode. But uh, so fans and viewers could comment in the section, uh, the comic section below and uh, give your thoughts. Who should portray Magneto? Who should portray Green Goblin? Who should portray Doctor Doom? And if there's any other villains you want to talk about, we could obviously make a part two of this because there's so many villains that that could be included in upcoming installments in the uh, the MCU. So I just wanted to say thank you so much, Mass, for coming onto the show. I hope that you could uh, show up for another one because you really know your stuff, and I would love to have you again. Thanks for having me. Uh, I yeah, I'd be very welcome to come back if you want anytime. Perfect, man. And uh, to uh, people watching my videos, don't forget to check out past videos that you might be interested in and uh, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much, guys.
Thank you so much, Mass. Have a good day, guys.